0: Thank you very much, everyone. Good morning. Really good to be here with you. Um, So as, as Tom said, I am part of Mosaic Church, but I live in the south of the city in Holbeck. And we have a little uh, gathering there that's part of this um, congregation. And so as I come to you this morning, I sort of bring those people to you. They're part of your family as well. And there's a few things I'll say about them as we go through. But I wonder, just as you've come to church this morning, what you think, what in your mind is a successful life? As you've begun to plan your life, as you're living through your life, what are some of the things that you're like, oh, I'm really hoping I get to do that. I'm hoping that this happens for me. What marks of success are there in your minds? Um, I'm sure lots of you have heard of Lewis Hamilton. He's, he's. Uh, I think we could agree he's a pretty successful guy, right? He is one of the most successful Formula One drivers of all time. Some would say the greatest. Um, he made some comments a little while ago. I don't know if any of you picked these up that really shocked his followers because you know he's he's like at the top of his game and has been for a long time. But he said on Instagram, "I want my life to mean something," and honestly. Up until now, my life has had no meaning. Surprising, isn't it? Like, he's a seriously successful guy, but he says, my life has had no meaning up until now. And I think his comments reveal both a bit of a despair at the way things are and a desire, a longing to make a difference that I think resonates with many of us, doesn't it? I think there's a deep cry in the human heart for our lives to mean something. And mean something perhaps more than just being successful, for our lives to have meaning, to pass on to the next generation more than we received. And you know, the the Bible story that we're going to look at this morning speaks into this longing in our hearts as we see that actually God created us. With this desire for meaning, it's right that you should feel that way. This is how God made us. You are created to multiply, to be fruitful, to leave behind more than you started with, to be part of something bigger than just yourself. I wonder if you believe that this morning. But what we'll find out through this story is that that doesn't come through our career or through achievements or through good works or through through children. Though those things are good, true fruitfulness... True meaning comes through hearing the word of God, receiving it in our hearts, and then surrendering our lives to him and his mission in the world. Hearing the word of God, receiving it and surrendering our lives to God and his mission, joining his plan to restore the world, to bring healing and transformation. That's what you were really made for. That's the meaning your life is designed to have. So let's look at this story together We're in Matthew chapter 13. If you've got a Bible, if you want to open it up, if you haven't, um, the words will be on the screen. And in Matthew's gospel so far, Jesus has been teaching and he's been healing people. He's been performing miracles and he's started to um, create quite a stir. A lot of people are following him. So now whenever he goes out, a large crowd comes. But in this chapter, Matthew 13, we, we see him sort of change tack. And instead of speaking openly, he now starts speaking in these stories called parables, and if you've been around for the last couple of weeks, you'll know we've been looking at different parables as a church. And parables are stories that Jesus uses to describe God and God's kingdom and what it's like. And they use imagery from normal life, but with a few details sort of changed, not how the hearers would expect it to be to create a bit of a shock reaction to listen in and find out what is really going on. So that's what we're going to do this morning. Um, Matthew chapter 13. It's about a farmer, but listen and hear if you can see what the shock details are. So um, I'm going to read from verse 1. You can follow it along. So that same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it while the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seeds, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. Sorry, somewhere where it did not have much soil, it sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow, yeah. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty or thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let him hear. And then there's like a little interlude in the passage where the disciples say to Jesus, why do you speak to the people in parables? And it's a fair question. They're saying, this is confusing, Jesus. We liked it when you just taught us openly. Why are you using these funny stories? And then they have this strange conversation about true hearing and true seeing. And this is really important because what Jesus is saying is that lots of people will listen to me. But there's a difference between listening to a nice talk, hearing some uplifting words and going away feeling positive and really listening to what Jesus says and allowing our lives to be transformed. Jesus is looking for true listeners whose lives he will transform and through whom he will transform the world. He's not speaking to impress the crowds and to make everyone think he's a good speaker, someone worth following. He's looking for hearts who are ready to welcome him in. He's looking for those who get what he's trying to say, who are ready to allow him to transform him and join his mission. Because his plans, his mission, his purposes in the world are huge. He's come to bring the restoration and reconciliation of the whole world. And so he's not looking for a big... A big crowd is looking for people who are really listening, whose hearts are ready to be used and transformed. This is crucial to our understanding of the whole story. It's about true listening and real hearing, which produces transformation. So Jesus says, you want your life to matter. You want to be fruitful and multiply. Listen carefully. And then helpfully, Jesus goes on to explain this parable explicitly to his disciples. So he's moved away from speaking to the big crowd, and he's talking to those who he knows are all in with him. And he explains clearly what it means. So verse 18, we'll pick it back up. Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word. But the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil... Refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was shown. Okay, what's the shock factor in this story that the listeners would have picked up? Well, this is a terrible farmer. He's just throwing the seed around. Every farmer knows that a seed is only going to be uh, fruitful if it's planted in a fruitful soil that has room for it to grow, right? Like a farmer's job is as much in preparing the soil as it is in planting the seed. But this guy's just chucking it around. And this screams at us to pay attention to the four types of soil. The four locations where the seed land must be important. It must mean something. This story is less about the farmer and more about the soil, which represents the hearers, the listeners. This is a parable about hearing and receiving the word of God. So the seed in in the story, that's the word of God. So this is the truth about who Jesus is, that he's the son of God, that he came into our world to show us who God is, that he died on the cross for the forgiveness of all, all our sins, that he rose again to new life, that he's defeated death, that he's the king who is bringing his kingdom, that new life, healing, forgiveness, freedom is available in him. This is huge, life-changing power. But Jesus says it's like a seed. It starts small. It runs through your fingers. It could easily be missed, walked over, trodden on. But... When planted into fertile soil, it grows and grows and grows into a fruitful harvest. So the soils represent us, those who hear. And it shows there are different ways of responding to the truth about Jesus and the gospel. And the purpose of the parable is to lead us to really hear and really understand. Because you were born to be fruitful You were made to multiply. Your life was designed to have greater significance than just you and your achievements. You were made to transform the world around you, to pass on to the next generation more than you received. But there are some hurdles, some barriers to us being who we're made to be. And the parable describes those barriers in these first three types of soil. So firstly, the first barrier is lack of understanding, Verse 4, as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path and the birds came and ate it up. And then when Jesus explains the parable, he says, when anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. I just want you to imagine a path through a field. Hundreds of feet have trodden over it. It's a well-worn path, so the soils become compacted. The weight, the pressure of the feet have trodden the ground in hard. It's locked in close together. That makes it great for walking on, but it means when seed comes, there's no room for the seed to embed, and it just rolls over the top. Many people hear the word, but it's like it just goes over their heads. They don't understand. Why? Because they're like a footpath whose main task is receiving feet, not receiving receiving seed the impact of the crowd is more important than God what's everyone else doing I'll go with the flow listen to the loudest voice go along with the crowd these are the ones that say "No, I'm not bothered not for me Jesus says don't be like that don't let your life become a footpath so compacted by the tread of people that there's no room for him so, that first category of listeners lacked understanding. The second category lacked root. Verse 5 says, Some fell on the rocky places. It didn't have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the sh- soil was shallow. But when the sun came, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. So, when Jesus explains the parable, he says, The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. So the word impresses and they respond. But then the world impresses and sweeps them away. There's a lack of deep hearing. The truth has no root. So when difficulties come, which they do to all of us in life, we turn away from God rather than turning towards him. We can't reconcile what we thought Jesus was like with what we're seeing in our lives. And so we abandon our faith. And again, Jesus warns, don't do this. Remember, the seed starts small. We need to take it into our hearts and let it grow. Don't just hear on the surface level, but grapple with truth in your heart. You were made for a deep and intimate relationship with God, one that involves talking and growing in our understanding of who he is and who he's made us to be. It's like in a friendship, you don't meet someone and think you know everything about them when you first meet them. You know that it takes time getting to know them, spending time seeing them in different contexts to really understand who they are. It's the same with God. We don't know him straight away. We don't understand everything that we hear straight away. We need to spend time with him and grapple with him and and share with him the struggles and the confusions of our lives so that we grow in understanding of who he is so that the truth goes down deep. Because life can be so hard sometimes, can't it? And we need to learn to navigate disappointment without downsizing our dreams. So when things don't work out the way we expected them to, when we're hurt or when we're let down, The tendency in all of us is to withdraw, to shut down. But God invites us instead to bring our sorrow, bring our pain, bring our hurt to him. Bring our disappointment to him. Because he's the healer. He's the faithful one. He's the one that will never let us down. And in life, we've got to learn to come quickly to him and process our pain honestly. Otherwise, our faith will become eroded. We'll expect less from God and we'll limit our fruitfulness. Do you know, roots are grown in the grappling of real life struggles. Roots are grown in the grappling of real life struggles. Dependency on God is learned in the tough places, in the wildernesses, as well as on the mountaintops. He He uses both to grow us and both are actually vital. So listen, if you're here right now and you're going through a tough time at the moment, lean into God. Dig deep into him. Grapple for the gift he has for you in the midst of this difficulty because your roots are growing right now. As you wrestle to believe truth about God in spite of your circumstances, this is how you grow your roots. Okay, so God is sowing the seed. But there's an enemy to God and his seed and his plan is to stop us being fruitful and multiply. So first he tries to stop us by stopping us understanding. Then he tries to take us out through troubles. And finally, if those two don't work, he'll just go for diversion tactics. Distract, distract them. Let's distract them with anything, worries, anxieties, even wealth. Let's just throw it at them to try and knock them off their focus. And these are the thorns in the story. So verse 7, other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. The seed falling among the thorns referred to someone who hears the word, but the worries of life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. So there's an initial response to the gospel, but then issues crowd in and take center stage. Whilst the word was attractive, it's the issue that's in front of us that we're really focused on. And then Jesus gets the bit left over. I'll just get my life sorted. I'll just make sure I've got enough. I'll just do what I want to do first. I'll just achieve my goals. And then Jesus can have the rest. This group of hearers are focused on the wrong things. And it's easy to live like that, isn't it? Life's busy. There's so much going on. It's easy to fill our lives with these things and think, oh, yeah, I'll get to Jesus later. But it was never supposed to be like that. The Word of God requires our first focus, we're told to seek first his kingdom, and everything else will be added. That's the, that's the way he made us to live. Fruitful disciples are focused on his kingdom, it's the teacher who's praying for their students silently as they walk around the room focused on the task of teaching them but also focused on seeing God's purposes in their lives it's the plumber who knows that he's a carrier of the presence of God and so every opportunity to go into someone's home is an opportunity to take the presence of God to leave blessing to look for opportunities it's the fruitful life 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 that kind of life doesn't just happen in a moment it's the overflow of a life focused on Jesus You've probably heard it said often, to say yes to something means saying no to something else. And I wonder for some of us this morning, that's what we need to do. We need to do some pruning of our lives to make space for Jesus and his word and his mission. There's some things we need to say no to or put down. I heard a story recently from the Muslim world about a woman called Mama Nadira. And she was elderly and she was illiterate. So she got people to tell her stories about Jesus and she would memorize them. And then there was another guy called Zamil who was really respected in his community in the mosque. And suddenly he had a dream one night out of the blue. And in the dream, a voice said to him, I am the light of the world. And when he woke up from the dream, he was blind. And then he met some Christians who prayed for him, but he wasn't healed. But he came to faith in Jesus and he met Mama Nadira, which are two things he says he values more than his sight. And Mama Nadira discipled him and taught him about Jesus and taught him what it meant to be a disciple. And, and he, learnt, he experienced being born into a new family in the church, which was hugely significant because he'd been thrown out of his family and his community when he came to faith. But he learned from Mama Nadira what it meant to be an obedient disciple. And one day, unknown to Mama Nadira, he got in a taxi and he went to a Muslim community that God had put on his heart looking for a person of peace. And a few days later, he called a very relieved Mama Nadira to say where he was and that he was safe, but that he wasn't coming home just yet. A month later, he'd started a church in that place. And then six weeks later, he went on somewhere else and did the same. Those are two focused disciples. Did you notice that both of them made space for Jesus because of an apparent lack in their own lives? So mom and Adira's lack of literacy caused her to pay close and serious attention to the Bible, to deeply internalize Bible stories and memorize them because she couldn't just read them like you and I, which meant that when she met this young man, she was so full of Jesus that she could pour into him the discipleship that was so wise and so valuable. For Zemir, his rejection from his family caused space and desire for people in his life, which led him to radically search for people to share the gospel with. Those things could have been distractions. They could have been reasons to to tap out, to focus on myself first. But God used them to increase fruitfulness. Isn't that amazing? I wonder what lack or apparent disadvantage in your life are you currently seeing as a barrier That could actually be an opportunity to make space for Jesus and to increase fruitfulness. Jesus urges us, don't be distracted. And that leads us to the final category, the fruitful soil. Those who hear and make room. So verse uh, verse 8, still other seed fell on the good soil where it produced a crop 160 or 30 times what was sown. And Jesus says the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop, yielding 160, 30 times what was sown. The conditions of the good soil were perfect for the seed to be buried deep. To grow strong roots, to thrive and grow into a fruitful, multiplying crop. Remember, that is God's will for our lives. This is who you need to find meaning in your life. This looks like people who, people who are fruitful soil don't just listen. They really hear and take time to understand God's word. This looks like spending time with Jesus, reading the Bible and growing in relationship with God, understanding his character, who he is, what he's done for us, what he's doing in the world right now, what he's inviting us into. It means reflecting on our lives and and turning away from things that aren't honouring to God. Repenting and, and letting go of things that lead us away from Jesus rather than towards him. And you know as we do this, as we make space for Jesus, as we allow his word to go down deep into our hearts, we experience his transforming power in our lives. He heals our past, binds up old wounds, He makes beautiful things that were broken. He restores and renews. And as he does this in each of us, he also sends us out. He gives us opportunities to bring his kingdom in the world around us, whether this is in a particular workplace or community or your family or with people you don't even know. He sends us out to scatter seed to show people what he's like and talk about what he's done in our lives. That's the fruitful life. So the question for us today is what kind of soil do you want to be? This isn't a story that splits the room in in quarters and says, you're like this, you're like this, you're like this, you're like this. No, this is a warning. Don't be like the first three soils. Make your life fruitful soil. Make room for Jesus. I remember we talked uh, through this story in a mission group in Holbeck a number of years ago. And around the table, there was a real mix of people, many of whom who had had, like significantly chaotic lives and difficult um, circumstances. And as we said, as we presented a little picture of the four soils and we said, which soil are you? One guy straight away said, I'm the fertile soil. I'm the fertile soil. I've heard Jesus and responded to him. I am the fertile soil. And someone else said, no, you're not. You're, you're not like that. That's not what it means. You can't be like that. Your life's not like that. And he was like, yeah, yeah I am. I'm, I'm definitely the, fruit, the, the fertile soil. That's what she said. I've listened to God and I've responded to him. And you know what? He was right. Four years later, he's still in the church. He's been baptized. He's still telling people about Jesus. He's still got some mess in his life, but his heart is orientated towards Jesus because the type of soil you are doesn't depend on what your life looks like right now. It depends on the orientation of your heart. Who is your heart looking to? Who is your heart yearning for? Understand, the word of God comes like a seed. It doesn't come like a hundred-year-old oak, fully formed, looking fantastic. It comes as a seed, and it needs to be buried. It needs to have space to grow deep roots. We need to give ourselves time to understand Jesus, to understand who we are in him, And then we see the harvest that he brings through us. And you know what? This is how God intended it to be. How often do we think, Jesus, it would have been so much easier if you'd just come and sorted everything out miraculously, powerfully, straight away? Don't you think? Wouldn't it have just been easier if Jesus, when you came, you made everything right straight away? But he doesn't do that. He comes as a child, apparently weak, lives a life that some would say was unimpressive he dies a very unimpressive death he rises and he leads us into something that is very different but do you know the truly impressive thing is when an unimpressive person is transformed and something old is made new and something dirty is made clean when an addict is set free when a liar finds truth when a sinner repents when an abused person is healed. That is where the glory and the majesty of the kingdom is seen. First in our lives and first, and then in the lives of those around us. That's what this parable is all about. It's saying, don't look for like flash. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Remember, it's a seed. It looks impressive. It could easily be missed, but don't miss it. Because if you bury it in your heart, it will lead to something way more impressive, way more meaningful, something that lasts into eternity, a meaning to your life that goes on forever. And the disciples totally got that, got this. So these first people that in this story, they still haven't quite got it. They get it in the end. Listen to this quote that's said about the disciples. Jesus poured his life into a few disciples and taught them to make other disciples. 17 times we find Jesus with the masses, but 46 times we see him with his disciples. These few disciples within two years after the Spirit was poured out at Pentecost, went out and filled Jerusalem with Jesus' teaching. Within four and a half years, they had planted multiplying churches and equipped multiplying disciples. Within 18 years, it was said of them that they turned the world upside down. And in 28 years, it was said that the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world. 28 years went from 12 people who were very normal to the whole world hearing the gospel. Isn't that incredible? I wonder what what do you want the world to look like 28 years from now? What do you want your communities, your schools, your families to look like 28 years from now? You know, everyone would tell us that it's getting worse, society's decaying. But Jesus says, no, my kingdom is coming and nothing can stop it. Do you want to be part of that? Do you want to take the invitation to join him in his mission to transform form the whole world? Because he wants you in it. But we, it, takes, it takes listening and hearing and giving ourselves to him making space in our hearts for him. So do you want to stand with me? If the band want to come back up, we're just going to sort of spend some time now as we finish this service, really focusing into Jesus, worshipping him and reflecting on how we can make space for him. So if you want to stand up, let me pray and then Tom and the band will lead us. Jesus, I want to thank you so much for who you are, that you're a wonderful saviour. Jesus, that you are a miraculous, a miraculous saviour, but one that looks so different to what we might expect. You came in weakness, but you are transforming the world. And Jesus, we honour you and we want to make space for you right now. Thank you, Jesus, that you are walking amongst us here, that you are with us now. And we invite you, come and stir our hearts for for the things that your heart is burning for. Come and speak to us. Come and Come and even turn our hearts this morning where we need them to be turned, Lord Jesus. Come and move amongst us now, in Jesus' name. Amen.